A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to part two of our interview with Courtney Ack, aka Shane Jenick. Uh, this is the second part of the interview. So if you're listening to this first, stop, go back to your feed and go to part one, listen to that first, and then we'll see you here for part two. Here is me and Courtney, aka Shane. Perhaps Courtney was almost a performance thing at the beginning of your career, but now it's sort of like, why would it be a performance? Because she is also you. No. Yeah, I guess it's that thing like where with there's lots of labels and things these days, which I personally have found very helpful in understanding who I am. But I think now that I've understood, I'm sure not completely, but I've I've got the the large chunks that pestered me for most of my teens and twenties out of the way. Um, I just kind of feel like me, and so that I think there's something beyond the physical packaging and the superficial decoration of that, which is just like, you know, the core essence of who I am and and how my sexuality and my gender and my identity all relate to that, which I feel really comfortable about. But I think that like drag was a signpost that the fact that I was drawn to drag, the fact that I did drag in a world that where it certainly wasn't a normal thing Mm. um, was always sort of like a signpost to sort of a bigger question about my identity and it's always been like this flag that has drawn my attention to the concepts of gender and identity and well the words the words around it have become they've always been there but they've sort of been at our fingertips for the past five years in a way that they just weren't before right yeah it's so weird how language can empower and labels can empower someone because in the beginning i was a boy who did drag and there was nothing funny going on it was just a costume, like a policeman would put on a police uniform and go to work. Mm. Mine was just more glamorous. And the only other option at that time was to be trans. And I didn't identify with that because I think I was filled, like a lot of people, with a lot of, well, I had a lot of internalized transphobia, I think, uh, in my early days, because I had received all these negative in- images and messages, just as I had internalized homophobia and Themphobia, or you know, all of these sorts of things, these messages that we grow yeah. up with. Yeah. Um, and then over the years, as the language has developed, as the stories have developed in pop culture with, um, you know, trans people, the trans visibility has been, probably been one of the biggest things that has allowed me to accept who I am. Um, although I don't identify as trans, it created a space where I was able to actually ask myself those questions and answer them honestly because I was seeing amazing trans men and trans women in pop culture like, you know, Laverne Cox and Janet Mock and Angelica Ross and Chaz Bono and Jenny Boylan and Kate Bornstein, all these books and things that I'd read. And I was finally like, oh, wow, being a trans person is 
valid and beautiful and wonderful and I was no longer scared of the idea of being a trans person and so then when I was able to like actually look at it I was like oh actually I think I secretly thought that I was trans for a very long time because there was only two options and I didn't feel like I was a man so therefore I must be a woman and actually as it turns out I don't feel like that I just feel like me yeah and I had a similar thing like I didn't I couldn't put my finger on what was going on because I didn't have um I didn't feel like a man in the traditional sense that Mm. allegedly I was expected to be but then I didn't have any gender dysphoria like I didn't feel that I was in the wrong body and I was like "Mm, this is really odd like I don't know I don't know what this is and then I when I heard you talking about you had similar thoughts you know but it was more to do with being kind of gender fluid and that Mm -hmm. you kind of worked out your version is what you know but no one was allowed was allowing the discussion to happen around the fact that gender is a spectrum and then even within what you identify as is a massive spectrum Mm. yeah it's true and it's so weird because like it's amazing how just that little concept can set you free like um Chaz Bono became a good friend of mine after Drag Race and and he sort of introduced me to the topic of gender fluid and I thought I'd had a lot of trans women uh, in my youth who were like trans showgirls from the 70s and 80s who were, I think, saw themselves reflected in, in me and what I did and always wanted to um, sort of help me on my journey or what they perceived to be my journey. And it was it always, to me, felt like they were sort of... Um, <laughs> cajoling me to be trans when I wasn't which Mm. isn't how they saw what was going on but that was how I sort of perceived it and they were like oh gosh we remember how lost we were and if only there was somebody who sort of helped us then we might get there a bit sooner and we hope that you know that Shane or Courtney can sort of realize that and then I was friends with Chaz and I remember sort of feeling almost like a similar line of questioning and I was like really I you're trying to like you're trying to like uh get me to be trans, <laughs> which wasn't what was happening. And then Chaz was like, well, have you heard of the term gender fluid? And I was like, no. And he explained that to me and I was like, ah. Oh. And I think he just, he, I mean, Chaz works with, you know, young trans kids and works in this field. And I think he probably had a lot more nuance and understanding and was really able to see that the way that I was talking about myself and my gender wasn't with total comfort. And by offering some of those terms and those definitions, I was just blown away. I was like, I'm 38 and it must have been like 2014. I feel dumb that I got to that age without realizing that if you weren't a masculine man, then that was also okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can listen. I I so massively relate to that. And I think that that's because you grow up as the person you are, and then you go find your people and you find drag and you find these people who accept you for what you are. And then from that point forwards, in a way, why would you question it more in some respects, you know, Mm. because you found your people. And I think also these things are fluid. Like I, Mm. you know, growing up, like I used to put on dresses from the moment I was, you know, able to dress i loved wearing dresses and then that side of me stopped and like i think it stopped because it got such a bad reaction Mm. and so i've always been like oh i wonder where that went you know but i know that i also honestly i know that i don't feel a burning desire which i'm kind of 
sitting on if you know what I mean yeah. Hide, hiding yeah so I think it's I've kind of got to like a version where it's like it's an ebb and a flow you know yeah. like and, and actually I quite like that like I sort of am a feminine man and I quite like that and I like playing yeah. with that you know yeah I think for the longest time when there were only two options of man or woman and those options were quite narrow there was this burning question that I was sitting on but I was too afraid to look at and I thought that the answer to that question was that I was trans mm. um so yeah it's fascinating that when more categories and when more conversation and when more stories are told that people are able to identify how they feel um rather than because those those big categories are really helpful and even the term like gender fluid I remember at one point being like, oh, I don't know if I'm like doing it right. And then I was like, hang on, <laughs> that's the part you're not doing right. If you're, if I'm trying to think about how I'm supposed to be a category, then that's already not serving who I am. The category gets you to like yeah. the street that you live on and then you've got to go and find your house and then you get to decorate it and paint it and do whatever you want with it. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's what I, because I always try and make a habit of when we're talking to anyone on this podcast. It's like, what's your version of dot, dot, dot? You know, what is your version of pansexual? What is your version of this? What is it? What is your definition of gender fluid? My definition of gender fluid is that I can express myself however I want with all of the different parts of gender and not feel that I have to live up to any expectation that society or anybody else suggests I do. And then I think weirdly, like when you do, there's like so much resistance for such a long time. Like I was always like, I mean, the idea of me trying to butch it up to flirt with a guy seems laughable to me. Um, but I remember like being in a gay bar, like always trying to like be a bit more masculine and trying to put on... It, I can understand why my success was limited because I, w I would have seemed disingenuous. And weirdly, then once you actually do embrace those things, there are certain things that are more masculine or more feminine. And it, I just get to do what I want, how I want. Is that within, um, so Shane can be ultra feminine, but then Courtney can also be ultra masculine. It's sort of tied between the two as well. Yeah. I mean, weirdly, Courtney is kind of quite binary. <laughs> uh, although I've been trying to embrace not that as well, because I also think, I think that as Courtney, I have dressed for the male gaze mm. um, quite a lot because as Courtney, I have a sex life and access to a whole bunch of men who are into and attracted to femininity, either cross-dressers or femboys, or they might be transamorous and perceive me to be that way. I remember like even when doing like drag shows on a Friday night in Sydney, doing my makeup and being like, well, after the show, I still want to look like girly because there might be some guy who doesn't want to have sex with somebody wearing garish makeup. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of that sort of presentation, even things like, not wearing boobs, which isn't that revolutionary, but I did a photo shoot for a magazine, 1833, I think it's called recently. It's probably a year ago now where I had like a bare male chest, which I didn't, I didn't think was particularly edgy or anything. It was just something that I hadn't done before. And it was just fun blending boy body and girl head. And, and increasingly as I continue on, I prefer to not like wigs and makeup is, sort of one thing but then like boobs and things like that feel like another really 
And I kind of like the idea of not modifying my body to be pretend feminine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still have like costumes and things and they have boobs in them and the silhouettes look good, but it's just this weird thing in my brain where I'm like, I'd actually just prefer to be, there's a boy who I know in New York, his name is Bradley Miller. So when I met Bradley, he is a makeup artist and has like long, gorgeous hair and would have these very feminine looks, but wasn't in drag and wasn't trans, was just, and and he had this hashtag, boys can look like this too. Mm-hmm. And I found that really like revolutionary in my brain where I was like, oh yeah, boys can look like this too. And so I just like the idea when I'm, I was just thinking about when I was walking home to, to do this podcast, I was like, the fact that I've got two names sometimes implies that there's two people or two, it's a character or something like that, whereas it's, I think of just Shane and Courtney as being two ends of the same stick. And I can't, yeah. I can't work out whether I would, if I could do it again, whether I would just have one name or whether I actually do like the fact that there's like, this is my work life. My public life is Courtney, essentially. Mm. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There was a moment for you which you've talked about before about when you were dating someone and you they'd sort of been seeing you in drag but then there was a boy I've been I've been writing a memoir this year perfect yes. year to write a memoir can mm. I tell you yeah I bet <laughs> um and so I've been writing about this story and I actually made con- contact with him but um so I met a boy in Ohio on a gig and there's several of these stories, but I think this is the one you're talking about. Um, <laughs> and uh, I met him as Courtney. It was Pride in Dayton, Ohio. And Bianca Del Rio had been there the night before. And this boy was like the security guard and like corn fed, like Abercrombie, was an Abercrombie model catalog, not um, not not print, but still. Ain't fussy. I take, I'll take them. Um <laughs> And she was like, I don't fuck the help, but Courtney will be here tomorrow night. Trust me, you'll love her. Um, (laughs) And then somehow this idea that like, it was like a prearranged marriage that Bianca had picked out this boy for me. And then he was delivered to the dressing room the next night. And it was all just a bit awkward. And this boy was sort of like nervously like delivered to the dressing room and then everybody was cleared out. And then, but then we like locked eyes and were just enamored by each other just transfixed with eye contact specifically eye contact we were talking and flirting and then at the end of the night he said oh i was just wondering courtney if uh, you might like some company uh, at your hotel tonight and i was like oh why yes i would thank you and he came to the hotel and 
we made love <laughs> um, with a lot of eye contact. And then I had to shower and sleep because I had to fly to the next city in a few hours, as was the way back in those days. And he said, oh, I'll, I'll leave then. And I was like, no, 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 you can stay. I, well, just so when I come back from the shower, I'm going to be a different gender. And he looked confused. And it was, was he was he identifying as straight, or was he yeah, a gay man? Right. He was identifying as straight. Had never been with a guy before. Hadn't really considered that for himself. But we just had this like spark. And even it wasn't like a wham bam, thank you, ma'am, sort of thing. We were, you know, just enamored with each other in the bedroom. So when it came time for him to leave, it was it was like one of those like, no, don't go, but I have to have a shower, but you can stay. And I came back into the room as Shane out of the shower and he was like shocked because it's one thing to say I'm going to come back as a different gender and it's another to actually do it when he's only seen, he didn't know what drag race was. He didn't, you know, he just saw this glamorous woman. I mean, he knew I had a penis because it went inside him, but... um, And he was a bit shocked. There wasn't a remote control in the bed. There was not. (laughs) He was a little bit shocked at first, but then made eye contact again and was like, oh, like could see that it was the same person. Wow, wow. And then we did it all again. And we ended up dating for a while, like six months. Wow. And it was really sweet. It's incredible. And was there a sort of um, a feeling within yourself about when you were coming out of the shower and you were Shane, like, do I need to sort of butcher up around this person? Or, you know, like, do I go into my, my yeah. stick when I'm a gay man? Almost? Well, that's the, that's the funny part is I had, there was a combination of this boy and there was another guy in LA who I had been sleeping with as Courtney. So these mm. two boys happened, like, they were in the same year maybe, but they were both similar experience that really informed my acceptance of myself Mm. and so uh, i had slept with him a bunch of times as courtney and then he just messaged and was like what are you up to oh my god i'm just at home he's like oh i'm in the neighborhood i'll come over and i was like no i'm not in drag (laughs) um he was like that's okay i'm like no no you don't understand he's like it's fine and that was the one where i was like didn't know what to do because i was like okay so this is a straight identifying guy who i slept with as courtney where i'm normally feminine but he's coming to see me as a boy. And if I was around a straight guy as Shane, I would definitely butch it up, like to, for safety reasons. Yeah. But he's here to, for a sexual thing and he's attracted to femininity. So I shouldn't act masculine, but I'd feel weird acting feminine because I'm not in drag. And it was just this like, like my brain battling good and evil, pink yeah. and blue. <laughs> um, and then finally. As he opened the door, I just had this moment where I was like, I, I couldn't compute how to perform my uh, femininity or my masculinity. And so I just had to be me. Uh, mm. And the door opened and he was into it. I think it was probably the first time I'd ever had sex with someone where I was just being me. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. trying to be what I thought they wanted me to be. I was just being whoever I was in that moment. Mm. And that was a really transformative experience to acknowledge that who I am is desirable. Because I think when you're trying to be more masculine or trying to be more feminine or trying to be what someone wants you to be, then their attraction to you actually reinforces a negative belief about who we are, that who we are isn't good enough. Uh, So when you do actually have that moment of, 
letting down all the barriers and having somebody see you just as you are it's it's the most vulnerable you can be and thankfully he liked me back and mm. and positively reinforced my my self-worth and who I was I guess yeah it's so lovely to hear that and also like there's a there's something about something is told to us it's, uh, it's subliminally almost like if you're a young gay man growing up or you're a young lesbian growing up that like they can't another I used to feel this like the man if a man finds me attractive it can't be the feminine they in me that they find mm. attractive and same for gay women like it can't be the masculine they find attractive for some reason this is told to us but yeah. i've never had anyone say it to my face it's so weird isn't it you just you sort of glean it somehow well i think we grow up we grew up in a world i mean especially in australia as well there's these masculine ideals i think in the uk i've noticed that out of i've lived in the us i've lived in australia i've lived in the uk and the UK has the healthiest relationship with masculinity and femininity I've found wow. um, because you have different types of men who are valuable here and women and non-binary folk. But masculinity traditionally in Australia is like a man who is strong and in the UK at least you still have people who are valuable because of their intellect. I mean, if you think of the, the upper class, like they're not particularly masculine. They're all no. a bit dandy and whimsy, yeah. Um, and that's they're still valuable as men. So there is a bit more diversity. Yeah, the sort of power attached to them because of their wealth. Wealth. Or, yeah. yeah. And intelligence, like, oh, you've got your Russell Brands and your, your even your David mm. Beckham's and mm. your Harry Styles, people like that who aren't typically masculine but are still accepted as men. Yes. But I do agree that, sorry, that idea of that we're valuable because of our masculinity is just something that is imparted into us from a young age. Yeah. And like also, but then the other thing with that, that, that sort of amazing decision that you made in that moment, which is, by the way, a fucking dangerous one for many people, you know, <laughs> like, and you chose to be authentic, which is really hard, is that sometimes like Lily Allen has been doing this thing because she has... Been, got been done her own vibrator kind of thing and she was talking about in one of the interviews and around it like how performative her sex had been mm -hmm. and how it was like she was trying to be mm -hmm. something for that other person mm. i mean we've all done that yeah. and it's like it's really unenjoyable yeah but it, it comes from a rooted deep-rooted feeling that you're not really lovable the way you are yeah and it's fascinating and i will say that since the fourth of july last year I was on Fire Island. I had in my my youth, like in my, <laughs> my late teens and my 20s, I had a lot of sex looking for validation, just casual sex. It never really amounted to more than one night stands. It was always a bit unfulfilling. I was always, and that, which to be honest, I think is probably what your 20s are about. I think I was doing it correctly. But yeah. uh, then I sort of went off sex for a while because I found that it wasn't validating me. And then also like after drag race, there's a lot of struggles with having sex with gay men in a post drag race world being on drag race that they know you from drag race and they're thinking about you through that lens and that context. And often well, in the bedroom, if anybody is thinking too much, uh, that occupies blood. I, I feel like this is biology. I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure that this is biology. If you're thinking 
and your brain is using more blood, there's a finite amount of blood in your body and therefore that blood right. cannot occupy other regions. And uh, eight out of 10 gay men that I've had sex with in 2020 have not gotten erections. <laughs> Um, to really? the point that I now travel with Viagra for <laughs> for them. I love it. How giving of you? It's not giving. It's selfish. <laughs> I've got I've got a time frame here. We need to get this done. Well, well, I just want I want a I, good night's sleep. I just I mean, you can, if there's also something like that. It was after Drag Race. I feel like I may have gotten slightly off the track. That's literally the whole point of this podcast. Okay, Don't worry. <laughs> after Drag Race, I I you know slept with some boy uh for, like at a after a gig and he didn't get an erection i remembered like this very hazy memory from long ago after i was on australian idol which it was 10 years prior to that mm. of like sometimes people not getting erections and then it happened again. And then I called Willem, who's also been on Drag Race. And I was like, this might sound crazy, but I feel like this thing used to happen to me and it's happening again now that I've been on. Have you noticed that, like, sometimes guys can't get it up when – and he was like, I thought it was just me. I just thought I was hideous. And I'm like, no, no, you are hideous, but I don't think it's – no. And then we started, like, calling other Drag Race girls and realized that there was – a before the pandemic there was another pandemic going on and so much so that we created a support group called limp ladies really? impeded by malfunctioning phalli um or our east coast chapter soft sisters opposed to flaccid trade look the problem is the more that i talk about it i'm sure the worse i make it yes. any gay man who hears this who if anybody out there if i one day have sex with you don't don't let this ring around in your brain just know that i've got viagra in my in my pocket and you can have that and it'll solve everything yeah that will that will remove the stage fright of knowing that they're in a long lineage of people who haven't been able to get it up <laughs> eight out of ten wow eight that's out an of actual 10. statistic that's not just a 87 percent of statistics are made up on the spot but <laughs> that one listen 10 in a pandemic uh, th that's a high five is all i'm gonna say makes me sound like i've been evading quarantine rules but i was in australia for the first three months of the year and it was sydney and it was summer and need i say more yeah i did get syphilis though but that's another story <laughs> <laughs> love 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 that man and do you know what it's when i was talking to him it was one of those people who, and I'm sure I missed some things. It was like every time they said something, I was bubbling away with another question I wanted to talk about because he is uh, a sort of quiet thinker. You know, he's such an intelligent, emotionally intelligent person who who's so good at being really honest about where he is at, but with a wicked sense of humor as well. I loved that chat. And actually, like from a personal perspective, I really relate to so much of what he said about gender fluidity and ascribing to certain ideas of masculinity and not and what that feels like really interesting and listening to him talking about what his dad is like and I actually think he's, his dad sounded really similar to my dad and I was thinking we had quite similar backgrounds in a way just being in a family who didn't really mind if you were feminine or masculine and how that is a really fortunate thing and a really rare thing because a load of a lot of people and I know a lot of people listening, it's really hard if you grow up with a family who don't understand you. So thank God for Homo Sapiens, where we can all understand each other, get together, 
It's like a bubble bath, but probably a little bit more um, hygienic. Maybe. Um, I think that's the end of that analogy. Don't you, listeners? It was wonderful chatting to Shane. Go and see their West End show. Definitely getting brilliant reviews. It's socially distanced. What more could you ask for? Please write and tell us what you thought of that interview. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com or on Instagram at homosapiens or on Facebook at homosapienspodcast.com. Get yourself a T-shirt. Go to everpress.com forward slash homo sapiens. Really leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And what else is there to say? Uh, Call your mother. That's what the other thing is. If you are lucky enough to have one. If not, call a member of your family. Say hi. Loads of love to you all. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Powered by Spirit Studios.